Well, I'm I'm honored to be nominated and then selected by my coworkers and people at the community as Teacher of the Year. It is, oh, being a teacher, I remember like in grade school thinking, it's like the teachers have it so easy. They just give us work. And then I became a teacher and I realized that it is the hardest job I've ever done. And let me tell you, I cleaned a cemetery, I used to work in a cemetery at 15 and I thought that was the hardest job. Cemetery work is hard, but teaching is just the, the I think about it all the time when I'm on the tractor in the hayfield in the summer I'm thinking about that student that I struggle to reach and hoping and wondering how I can reach him better the next time I have them and all of the thoughts and the worries that you come home with and the excitement and the joy it's just a job that really is all consuming and I'm blessed to be at Rock City where every teacher there is a great teacher and I'm a better teacher and and so and that's another benefit of us having been here is I doubt I would be as good of a teacher if I was not at Rock City and so it is it is an honor to be that and I I hope to continue to make everybody as proud as they are of me. You're listening to the Strong Roots Podcast, the show about strengthening our roots with discussions about health and wealth with your host, Carrie B. Carrie will cover a wide range of topics, ranging from gut health to changing habits to managing our money. And just like life, you never know what this podcast is going to throw at you. And now, here's your host, Carrie Bean. Welcome to the Strong Roots Podcast. I'm excited to be here with one of my best friends, April Boatwright. April and I did not grow up together and actually have known, only known each other for about three years. And it's kind of a funny, kind of a funny story how we became friends because my husband actually met April before I did and he told me and then and previously had told April that we were going to be really good friends and we both thought he was crazy and here we are a few years later and we actually really are friends but we won't tell him that he he was right so April welcome to the show would you like to tell a little bit about yourself? Well, um, for starters, I am so happy that three years ago, your husband was right, and we did end up being friends. I, I am just had my 30th birthday, so I'm a teacher at Rock City Public School. I have four children, and I'm married. I love the outdoors. I love to read, and I have a passion for learning new things and meeting new people. I'll agree to that. I think one of my favorite things is to philosophize with you. I know that I can come up with a random, odd question and ponder on life with you, and you won't think I'm weird. <laughs> so I enjoy that. <laughs> no, I love yes, it. Yes, we've had many pondering conversations. So, okay. So, one of the things that I admire about you um, is something that I originally thought was really hard and you were crazy and I couldn't believe that you were going to do it, but was your decision to teach at Wright City and your home is actually in Daisy, Oklahoma, which is, how far is that? Uh, If if you're going to drive a little faster than the speed limit, like I tend to do, it's about an hour and 10 minutes. I remember like whenever you, whenever Alan was telling me about you guys and where you lived and I was really actually like, you don't need to get involved in people's personal lives. That's that's going to be hard and da 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 da. Um, 
But you guys moved your camper here and stayed with some of our other friends uh, on some of their land. And you did that for the first year. And that was fun, right? Oh, yes. Three kids and a camper. It was fun, but, you know, challenging, but in the end, worth it. Yes. And then so you were just there one year, right? Yeah. And then you um, ended up with a, a small little house that you're staying in here in town. And I think that's better. um but anyway I still admire you even though um you know things are a little bit better with the house and the way things are because you're not at your home during the week so you're uh away from your home and it it reminds me of how spoilt I actually am um because I always think that would be really really hard and I don't know if I could do it but I actually think that I probably could do it when it came right down to it. Um, And I think one of the things that we have philosophized about is how we don't think life should be perfect. And so I think that I I really have enjoyed watching you with your kids. And, you know, while some might consider it a hardship, to me, it's really just teaching your kids that, you know, things don't have to be storybook perfect to to have a great life. And I just, like, I really admire that. So while some may see it as hard, I see it as just teaching your kids adversity and and not having that um, storybook, like everybody thinks everything has to be perfect all the time because that is just simply not real life all the time. So, well, our decision to come to Wright City is is not, orth, you know, it's an unorthodox decision because while it's accepted in society for the man to go off to work and come home on the weekends with his kids, and that's perfectly fine for, you know, a mother and a wife to leave during the week with her children and go work and, and have a life elsewhere is not typical. And we, when we decided to do it, it's not as if life where we were was necessarily bad. We just wanted to try something that we believe would be better. And sure, there would be challenges associated with it, but we believed that the reward in the end was going to be worthwhile. And while, you know, we do have to, in a sense, pack up and take, you know, the kids and I come down here and live for a week. In the end, we've been blessed, you know, a hundredfold through that. We have such, built such great relationships with people. My children are going to a school that... Where I believe that they're safe and supported by a community that loves them. And that, you know, that risk was worthwhile for us because the end we've, you know, creating a great place for our family and friends. And so a funny story on the struggle with it is this afternoon as getting ready to prepare for the podcast, I uh, had stepped away for a minute, was going for a jog and Lo and behold, my children, one of them went to go get a snack out of the trunk and I came back looking for the keys. And where were the keys? Well, they're locked in the trunk. And where's that spare key? Well, it's an hour and 15 minutes away in Daisy. So uh, <laughs> part of the struggle is, well, we have to call a locksmith and have the locksmith come out. And that could have been avoided if we were closer to home, but oh well. I'm sure your child learned a great lesson. Yeah, I thought I did a, a good job on my parenting there. I managed to... <laughs> So, okay, that brings me to a question. Do you think, um, and one of, we're going to talk about a, a lot of different things um, about you, but one of my questions is, do you think your childhood 
strengthen you in a way to be able to to maybe accept this challenge where some people wouldn't have? Oh, certainly. I mean, at an, at an early age, my parents expected us to behave with um, independence, that we needed to, we weren't allowed, I don't, how, how do I say this? They teach us to work hard and to be responsible for ourselves and that we were accountable. And I can remember times my dad making me call people on the phone and I had to be respectful and I had to convey the message that he expected me to to relay correctly. And if people called, you know, this was before the days of caller ID, we had to take messages and write down, who, you know, their phone numbers and things like that. That sounds minuscule. But requiring your children to do those kind of things, holding them accountable if they don't do it, and teaching them how to talk to adults taught me how to take care of myself in that regard. And um, furthermore, you know, always holding me responsible for what I did or what I didn't do has definitely strengthened me as a person and allowed me to hold my own in life and not make excuses when things aren't just exactly the way I want. You know, the solution is to work harder. Yeah, I mean... I can think of examples today where not just not just to harp on young people right now, but society in general, we've gotten away from how to walk into a uh, office or a place of business and state why you're there and your name and, you know, what you would like. Because, you know, at my job, we're always like people are coming in and applying for jobs um, and they they don't know how to they don't know how to speak which that's at my my other job but th- these are these are young men and and young women that that not only do they not know how to answer the phone they don't even know how to walk in the room and state why they're there and so that's probably something that i wish we could go back and fix but it's something we can teach our own kids i guess and i don't know that i've completely successfully <laughs> even thought or worked on that so well as a, as a teacher that is um, one thing that I will say at least in my classroom we're working on I don't, may not all perfect it but they are learning the importance and value of communicating expressing themselves so I'm excited to hopefully build up a new generation of people who can <laughs> articulate well yeah I, mean, I think that's great and I think while you take that responsibility on, that's great, but it's also a parental responsibility too, I think. Everything gets dumped on school, like, you know, well, they need to learn that at school, they need to learn that at school, you know, and money's a good example where we're not only learning it, not learning it at school, but most people aren't learning it at home either, um, so it's kind of a taboo subject, um, which kind of leads me to an, a money question. Um so when you think about growing up, do you remember the feeling or mood uh, around your house about money? Well, we grew up, uh, especially for my age, in the first probably 10 or 12 years of my life, probably 10 years of my life, uh, very poor. <laughs> and not, you know, not without our needs, but our wants and the extras were you know, there weren't many of those. I can remember in, you know, true story of picking up cans during the summer and we picked up cans during the summer and that's what we used to go school clothes shopping on the way to Paris, Texas. My mom would stop and we'd drop off all the cans we picked up off the sides of the dirt roads. The kids and I, you know, kids had, there's five of us. 
And then we would use that money to help buy our school clothes. And we bought those at Goodwill, except for our undergarments. And when we went to Walmart, let me tell you, going to Walmart was big time. You were on your best behavior because that was exciting stuff. You didn't get to go uh, there very often. Wow. That's and so that 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 that's given me an appreciation for things. I can remember my mom would go to grocery store once a month, and she would get a flat of like the thirty mixed uh, pop, and um, we would oh we would just savor those. And I say thirty, I don't I can't remember. Can you believe we'd have a pop a day? So that doesn't even sound right. But she would get a, a, a flat of these drinks, and we would all have to share a can of yeah, them. Maybe it was twenty four. Yeah, maybe it was. I can't recall, but like we would take, cause you could pick and mix and match the drinks <laughs> back in the day. But like we would take a drink and this is probably not, uh, you know, appropriate, but I remember getting a drink and we would run around the house like we were drunk, <laughs> you know, all five of us splitting one can. It was just so exciting. So, but you know, that's definitely given me an appreciation. My parents have lived a life of kind of chasing the next big dream. Both of them very intelligent. Um, both of them did not complete their high school education either. And so they worked hard and built successful businesses that then also struggled too in a lot of ways. And so that's, they've given me a lot of gifts and then also a lot of, uh, I've gotten to not make as the same kind of mistakes because I've seen the struggles that they've lived through. Well, that's good. I think it's, you know, the old story of you can either learn from of it and try to do better. Or follow their footsteps and do what they did. So it sounds like you've tried to learn from it and do better, which is what we should all do. So, um, do you think that, I'm, I'm sure it has, but how has that affected the way you are with like your own family and your own kids with money? That's a tough question. I know <laughs> that. Well, you know, I have to think about it. Um, I definitely have a bit of their risk taker in me and have not have not always made the best decisions with my money. And, I, you know, one time decided I was going to invest in the Iraqi dinari because <laughs> I believe that the value of it was going to go up at some point. I don't know what the value of it is, but I'm pretty sure my denari is still not worth very much. It's worth like denada or nothing, you know. So is this like a um, physical piece of paper that you have or? I, well, if I'm going to be honest, my sister talked to me about it and then I decided to buy it and she handled it all. So oh, who knows? Wow. I could have not even purchased any denari. I don't even know. It was a, And then one time I decided I would go and become a medical person transcriber and do the notes and I, you know, paid for a course I never did. So I've, I've definitely gotten big ideas and decided I was going to do something and didn't. But um, as far as money goes, I'm definitely doing a better job preparing for my future and preparing for my family's future and having those safeguards so that um, if the unexpected things happen in the economy, tanks, or my health or my husband's health, you know, were to suffer that our, you know, way of life would not change, you know, drastically. We would still be able to provide for our family, and that's what's most important to me. Yeah, that's definitely a, a mindset shift that you've made. So one of the other funny things that you and I have talked about is, like, the things that we do. I don't know if they're culture things or just things that you do when you're a parent that makes us laugh, like, 
you and I have talked about going to a restaurant and order making your kids order water, <laughs> but then we'll, you know, splurge and buy this 12 year old, a very expensive bath. Like, <laughs> so that's something that makes me laugh um, that you and I have right. talked about. And I'm glad you brought that up because my parents would have never spent that kind of money on a bat. Furthermore, they never, I mean, I bet in, I played basketball third through eighth grade and I, they, my dad maybe came to two or three games. That wasn't valued whatsoever to them. And that's okay. It's not a bad thing, but that kind of money was not going to be spent. And I agree. I do spend a lot of money on their hobbies, but then when they go out to eat, I'm like, lemon water, please. (laughs) Everyone will have a lemon water. (laughs) So Priorities. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to save $10, but you know, and, and, and I justify that. And is that, that not necessarily, I justify, I don't really reason it out, but that bad is something that, you know, we're doing for fun that they are mm-hmm. going to learn and grow from, be healthy with, whatever that might be. And the um, the the sweet tea or the pulp isn't going to give them anything but trouble and cost That's me very true. fifty. So let's yeah. avoid all of that if we can. Yeah. It reminds me one time, so Alan hunts a lot, and he's a, he receives the Cabela's and the Best Pro catalogs in the mail all the time, and so me being the little bean counter money person I am, I kept up, I keep up because I'm a nerd. I keep up with like every little penny that we spend. And I didn't realize how terrible of an idea this was at the time. <laughs> but I chose to make a category in our budget to track our, uh, to track how much he spent on hunting stuff, you know, like, Corn stuff you got to spray all the, over yourself. Yeah, preach yeah. on. Yeah, so I tracked it one year, um, and just the stuff he bought that year, you know. And also, we have to pay on it, be on a deer mm-hmm. lease. Like, there's all these things, you know. Um, and I didn't realize that it, w- it was such a bad idea, <laughs> but I actually tracked, you know, our cost per pound for deer meat. And I don't remember what it was. I don't know if it was like a hundred. It was something ridiculous, like a hundred dollars yeah, a pound not, or it's something, not, you know. It's, it's not free food out there, is it? <laughs> yeah, no, he's not leaving the cave and going out and killing something and dragging it back like he says, you know. And I'm always like, how did people in the past, people didn't have this stuff to like spray all over their bodies so the deer couldn't smell them like, how did they kill deer back then? And, you know, what I, but what I didn't realize is I actually think he's probably a better person because he goes out into the woods and sits for hours and waits on this deer to come so he can bring well, meat home to the family. So, so there are some things that I think may be worth it. I do. I, have, I agree. I have a, a tag on my budget app and it's deer hunting has its own tag. And so it falls under that. And, you know, at the end of the year, I look at that and I think, my goodness, we've bought so much. But then I think about all of the time and the excitement that our family spends together while hunting all of the numerous, like it's, you know, the, some people it's like it's a sports season at your house. Like it's always a hunting season sometimes at our home. But, um, 
but the joy and the rewards that come from that and the, the special memories and all of those things, it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely worth it in the long run, you know, for us. And so that, that money, as long as we have the money to spend on it is, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't complain too much about it. Yeah. I think, you know, obviously, you know, you're not going to do without electricity or right. food to buy your hunting or fishing supplies, but I think it's definitely something you should prioritize because I don't hunt, but when I was, when I was young, I would fish all the time. Well, for years I haven't went. Well, just this, like I would say in the last three weeks, I decided to go fishing with Alan and I've been twice. Well, the first time I went, I didn't catch any fish. I think Alan and Rainer caught a couple or whatever. I kept blaming it on my reel. (laughs) Well, it really was really, really jacked up. (laughs) And so they kept saying, put it in the water. So I'd put it in the water and like, it still doesn't work. (laughs) So when Alan went the other day, I was like, hey, buy me a reel because I had so much fun and just being outside with them and being on the water. Like I had so much fun that I wanted to go again and, he was so excited to buy me a new reel. So now I have my own Ooh, reel. So, I know things are getting serious. <laughs> um, I'll get you a hat and a vest pretty soon too. <laughs> yeah, I need a, I need one of those vests where I can put okay. my like fishing lures right. like like inside of it or whatever. So yeah, see, I, I mean, I'm going to have to add a category <laughs> for fishing. <laughs> But priorities, um, but it, it, anyway, in all joking, it's like, it, it's great for us to get out. And I think when you think about money, if you're not getting to enjoy some of your hard work, if you can afford to, you know, within reason, you'll go crazy. So um, I think it's, I, I've learned to quit calculating uh, cost per pound of deer meat because it's just not worth it. I better so. eat the hamburger helper, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, the hamburger helper made with that deer, deer hamburger meat, by gosh. Filet mignon right there. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, since we're on um, food, uh, one of the questions I uh, wanted to talk about was um, when you think about food, like I know you and I have talked about food or some that we kind of try to sort of eat healthy. Um we're not always perfect, but we try to. What about how you? How did you eat growing up? Like, what kind of food did y'all eat? Um, I would. We did not eat healthy growing up, but I mean, we just ate. You know, there wasn't a lot of emphasis on it being health food. I mean, some nights we would have a chef salad for dinner, and some nights we'd have, um, you know, fried ham and beans, and some nights it would be, um, you know. uh, tamale casserole you know there wasn't any emphasis on it being a healthy dish it was what can feed seven people and get everyone fed Uh, type situation and just make sure that we all got something we enjoy now my mom's an excellent cook as is my dad they both um enjoy cook or oh let's backtrack that they're both good cooks my mom does not enjoy cooking very much so um you have to request certain things on your birthday because that's the only time she'll make it but but she's a great cook. And so, you know, we always ate very well. But as far as it being healthy, that wasn't, that was never necessarily a concern for us. Right. Probably for two reasons. One is that's just not the way we've learned to cook here. I don't know about 
I don't know if you want to call this the South. I think we're the South, yeah. West or whatever, but yeah. But, the, you know, the that's the way my mom, you know, we ate a lot of, I mean, my mom's a great cook too, but everything she cooks is, you know, fried potatoes, gravy, you know, deer meat, you know, a lot of fried foods. And so <laughs> I think that, and there's probably with your mother, it's probably, some of it was probably out of necessity. When you're feeding seven mouths, sometimes you just get what you get. You don't have to worry about healthy you just what can I make that's going to feed seven and they didn't go to town very often either and so uh, we I lived out in the country my entire life and when I say the country I mean the country like out in the sticks and so you know fresh vegetables during the summer well that was all the time now granted we were going to fry the squash and okra um but as far (laughs) as you know having a fresh salad three or four nights a week well no you had a salad after she went to the grocery store you know for a few days and then after that it's going to have to wait until the next grocery run i mean we like we like frozen yeah. bread and milk so you didn't go to the grocery store very often <laughs> so, <laughs> if you hadn't had frozen bread thought out bless you you're a lucky soul <laughs> i don't you think don't I want have. it it's hard on the edges it's sad when you got to wait for the bread to thaw out and just you don't want it <laughs> How often did she go to the I'm grocery store? I'm telling you, she went once a month. And we were like, I mean, everybody had a buggy. It was, there was some serious food all, to the always savers, whatever it is in Paris, tax-free, and you brought your own bag. And then we would go eat it. We would go oh, eat gosh. it first. It was special. I mean, we ate at McDonald's once a year. She would take us to McDonald's during the summer wow. once a year. And we thought that we'd hit the jackpot yeah. going there on the turnpike. So, Yeah, that's crazy. Um, it's like, I'm whining right now because our grocery store burnt and I have to drive like 20, I'd have to drive, I guess, 20 minutes to one town or like 45 or 50 minutes to another, you know, in Mm -hmm. another direction to another town to get groceries. And you don't realize how much that affects you, but like, I'm not even planning out enough to go buy groceries for a month. Like, I just don't think my mind could... I mean, it would be great if I could, but the idea of feeding seven people for a month and planning that out. Yeah, you just eat a lot of canned food and, you know, kill it, you know, have a cow in the freezer. And that was the kind of stuff. There was always a hog, you know, there was a hog that we raising up to be butchered and that kind of a thing. And, and so, I don't know. It was just the way it was. It was all right. Now, not that we lived an hour from the grocery store. That's just where she chose to go. We were probably about 30 minutes or so from the nearest grocery store. Yeah. I guess for uh, anybody that's listening, we're in southeast Oklahoma. And if you drive south, you can drive to Texas and not pay taxes on your groceries. So a lot of people will do that. So just a side note for any listeners that's wondering why you would drive (laughs) further. A lot of people justify it for that reason, which you can really get into it and think, you know, you got to think about the gas and time and all that stuff. But I do it quite a bit simply because there's a better selection sometimes mm-hmm. too. But I do miss our little grocery store since it burnt down. Ready for it to be back going. So I agree. Yeah. Um, one of the other uh, things that I want to mention and you can talk about a little bit is I'm super pr- it, I feel like it's a a notch in my. How do you say that? What do you say that? A notch in belt. my belt. Oh, what is that saying? I it's a belt. Yeah. A notch in my belt. Oh, yeah, it is a belt. I feel like it's a notch in my belt that we're really good friends because your teacher of the year 
And so that's, I'm like super proud just because like, maybe I pick really good <laughs> friends. So, so um, that's just something I wanted to mention. I don't know if you wanted to share anything about that. Well, I'm, I'm honored to be nominated and then selected by my coworkers and people at the community as teacher of the year. It is Oh, being a teacher, I remember like in grade school thinking, I was like, the teachers have it so easy. They just give us work. And then I became a teacher and I realized that it is the hardest job I've ever done. And let me tell you, I cleaned a cemetery, used to work in a cemetery at 15. And I thought that was the hardest job. Cemetery work is hard, but teaching is just the, the, I think about it all the time. When I'm on the tractor in the hayfield in the summer, I'm thinking about that student that I struggle to reach and hoping and wondering how I can reach them better the next time I have them. And all of the thoughts and the worries that you come home with and the excitement and the joy, it's just a job that really is all consuming. And I'm blessed to be at Rock City where every teacher there is a great teacher and I'm a better teacher. And, and so and that's another benefit of us having been here is I doubt I would be as good of a teacher if I was not at Rock City. And so it is, it is an honor to be that. And I, I continue, hope to continue to make everybody as proud as they are of me in the future this year. Yeah, I think so. I think when you're surrounded by, other good people it makes you want to be a better person and there's what's the old saying like you're that you're the average of the five people that you're around the most I don't you know I don't know if that's true or not but I've heard that a lot so you know mate you are and, and I know for a fact you're surrounded by other great teachers I'm proud for my kids to go to school there um and I, I enjoy the school and the other teachers so well, thank I'm super you proud much. of uh that <laughs> and I think any person that's a teacher or a coach, like it is such a hard job. I have about, let's see, once a week, (laughs) I teach a Sunday school class to like sixth or 12th graders. And, you know, that, that is a wide range, but it's, I honestly can say in that class, I have phenomenal kids. So I'm literally you know, working with the cream of the crop, I don't have to worry about, you know, their level of ability to learn or anything like that. And it is still so hard. Like sometimes they're in the mood to talk. Sometimes they're not in the mood to talk. Sometimes they're in the mood to listen to what you have to say, or they're not interested in that subject. Just knowing what to do and then, you know, getting them to participate is really hard. Um, and then recently I went to another school and taught a personal finance. Uh, I didn't teach it. I went for one day. Like literally I was there for three hours and I went to the personal finance class. And I didn't even realize I was nervous until I was about to walk in. And like, probably shouldn't say this, but like my pits were sweating. I started getting all nervous. My upper lip was hot. Like... All these kids are looking at me. I don't know any of them. Like, and then they wouldn't talk. And I even told them, like, you know, help me out. I'm not a teacher. I, this is out of my norm. I would appreciate it if you guys would talk. Well, that didn't matter. They don't care. They didn't oh, care. They're heartless. They don't do it. <laughs> I'm not going to say they're heartless. They just are very worried about what anybody else thinks about them or worried about yeah. saying 
you know, something that may not be whatever. There's a lot of, lot of, lot of concern yeah. and worry in there. So it, it takes the time to build that rapport where they feel comfortable potentially yeah. stumbling when most of the time yeah. they never do. I they have feel like everybody should like have to be a substitute teacher for one day. And the other thing, I feel like everyone should ha- like, before you can yell at a referee or two out of coach or like make a fool of yourself at a game <laughs> or gripe about something. Like, I feel like you should have to coach something. And I didn't realize that until I coached like summer league with my daughter and like, I was so stressed out. Like work was nothing. Work didn't stress me out. Coaching summer league softball stressed out to the max. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I, I coached one summer yes. of T-ball. Does that count? Okay. All right. Good. I got that. We were the Coyotes. Yeah, it has to count. So. I mean, I genuinely felt responsible for every child. Yeah. How they played. The success or failure. Yeah. It wasn't yeah, their I mean, fault or their parents' fault. It was. It felt like it was my fault. Oh, I didn't hit them enough grounders. Or <laughs> if they didn't hit well, you know, it was my fault. And then if so-and-so was <laughs> mad at me because their kid didn't get to play a position, I had literally probably spent two or three hours the night before in my in my sleep or not sleeping thinking about this kind of stuff. And so I have a a huge respect for teachers and coaches. It's, it, it is so funny you said that because I teach eighth grade English and that's a big year of reading um, their state test in Oklahoma. If you don't pass the reading test, then that affects when you get your driver's license and the qualifications with it. It's a big hoopla thing that, that eighth graders are worried about. Well, I dreamt last night, I realized during the day about that my test scores came back and they were not what I was hoping that the students would do on it. And I'm just, I was like, oh my goodness, just kind of discouraged about it and all of those things. And I didn't realize the dream until the middle of the day. So, so I really was dreaming about the performance of my students. And, and those are sentiments that teachers express as well that, you know, it, when they didn't do well, feeling like, okay, what could I have done better? What could I have done more? Mm-hmm. How could I have changed things to to accomplish or reach them uh, more successfully. So, but yeah, coaches, no, coaches don't I mean, have it e- easy either. The same stress. I mean, one thing too, I think as a, as a parent, you're only worried about your kid. Like that's all you're responsible for. Sure. You want all the other kids to do great. And, but at the end of the day, when you're a parent, you're only responsible for that one child. But when you're the teacher, not only are you trying to reach that kid, if that kid's got something going on in their personal life, like how are you going to know? And it just brings a whole nother level of dynamics. That's crazy. So uh, I admire you guys. So, so okay. Well, I usually end with three questions and the first one is what is one thing that has strengthened your roots and made you feel like you are a better person because of it? It could be anything. It could be, doesn't have to fall in any category. Anything that you just feel like has made you a better person. You know, definitely my salvation has made me a better person. You know, that my, um, I, I think God has given me a lot of gifts, but, uh, you know, after salvation, I think that I have definitely allowed him to use me in greater ways. And so I'm, I'm blessed and I'm blessed in that regard. But um, my, my quote, me time that allows me to regroup and, and have time for myself a little bit is, is my 
I don't know if I'd say a passion for running, but I do enjoy running. And I, like a year and a half ago, no, I guess it was two years ago, I decided that I would run a marathon, which is, you know, 26 miles, whatever. And I had never ran a 5K, but I'm going to go run a marathon. So <laughs> I did. And in my the way I made sure that I did it was when I made the decision, I got on, I, and I just Googled marathons in Oklahoma. I found one in November, thought I would have time. This is April, two years ago, and paid the money right then and there. $95 is what it cost me. Oh, wow. So I did it because I knew <laughs> that if I spent that money, that I, because I mean, I invested the money in it. Now I have to do it. So a hundred dollars cost me six months of, of running, but the, you know, at the time I couldn't run two miles without stopping. And then in the end ran, you know, the marathon without stopping. And so since then I've not ran any more marathons in a year and a half. I'll run the the Oklahoma city Memorial. I'm going to run the half this weekend. And I'm, I'm pumped about the emotional connection that I'm going to get to have there. I love I love being touched by people. I love things meaning something. And um, I'm just looking forward to the, I know it sounds so weird, but the emotional connection that's going to come from that, that memory and, and seeing all those things. And I can remember when it occurred. And so I'm, I'm pumped about that, but some, but, but sometimes at home, you know, when I need that moment away and allows me to regroup and, and do something for myself, which is hard when you have three kids mm. who play like 17 sports each, I think. And, and they're like on the quiz bowl and all those type things <laughs> that uh, I go off for a little run and come back and I'm better. I mean, I definitely agree. Like, I don't run. I, I used to, but I do go and go to the, the gym and exercise or whatever. And I think that it makes me a better person too. And then it makes me want to eat better and drink more water. <laughs> well, and one thing I said there made me want to clarify there that my daughter Haley is in, uh, I have four kids, but three at home. So when I say three kids, Haley's at college. And so also playing ball there. So I just want to make sure that I didn't uh, make yeah. it, you know, that my, no, math, my math was, you know, if y'all thought I went four to three, like, <laughs> where'd the other one go? It didn't disappear on me. So, um, but yeah, it, you know, it just, it seems like when I don't run or when I don't do some exercise, well, then I start feeling all like, wow, about life, you know, not, I don't even think, wow, well, I need to run. Mm-hmm. I just start getting wow. And then I'm like, okay, fine. I'm going to go make chocolate chip cookies and that'll make me feel better. And so it doesn't, it just makes me feel more blah. And I realize you need to get off your rear and go do something. So. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. I think too, it's such a habit deal. Like there's stretches of time where I don't exercise and it, I hate it. Like I hate it. I mean, I enjoy being lazy, <laughs> but I hate the way I feel. You do so. not enjoy being lazy. I do. I, I mean, I, I genuinely enjoy the binge watching Netflix well, and, and stuff. So, but if I've, if I've exercised, it's more because enjoyable. Because you've done something. And, and so not to yeah. continue on here or, or ramble on, but that's one of the, I feel like, a, a weakness of mine. And perhaps that comes from growing up the way I did. I don't know. Maybe in the, the poverty-stricken environment. I don't want to sound like we were, you know, in a clapboard house or anything. But I, that my, my ability to just relax is, is limited. And I only really let my, I'm not saying I'm like, I have the cleanest house in the world or anything like that, but just, I feel like I've always got to be doing something productive. And so mm-hmm. my time that I get to rest is typically when I'm in watching the Outlander series, because I have read all the books. So that's my secret passion. Nobody's allowed to be in there when I watch that series or when I am, uh, <laughs> 
you know, when I let myself read then, but then even sometimes I'm hard on myself and I'm like, you must only read books that teach you something, you know, I don't know. Yes. I'm a self-help junkie. Sometimes I'm like, I need to read something. That's well, and not, that's, cause it can be. Yeah, well, and it's not even that I necessarily but. enjoy that. It's just, you need to read things that make you a better person. Like, so it's like an obligatory type thing sometimes for me when really what I want to mm-hmm. read are like some Harlequin romances. So I don't know. <laughs> but anyhow. Yeah. Okay. The second question is about food. So is there a food, like especially since you're running um, and trying to do better, be better, that you've decided to give up? Um, and, and not eat? Well, I have a, huh, an issue with candy. When my little dependent school, I was a little backstory. My, I went to a dependent school growing up and every year they would get all the kids. They'd spend like $10. There's about a hundred students head start through eighth grade. They would get everybody a, a Christmas gift. And I would typically ask for candy. And that was all I wanted for Christmas. Like <laughs> I love candy it's just one of my favorite things and so I have a problem with that it's it's a serious problem and and we I say about it jokingly but it is something that I think about you know and I want to stop and get candy and so several years ago I pretty much gave up candy but I replaced it with uh cookies and cake and in just another vice in a sense so but as of about a week (laughs) I have been candy and processed foods free good for me so I haven't even eaten any kind Yay. of crackers or um, pretzels or things like that I might would have deemed as healthy or not so bad before. You know, I've really cut out of my diet just because they are so sugar-based. And that's just, you know, one thing that leads me into to wanting candy, you know, and, and that type of stuff and sugary foods. And I'm trying to cut that out of my life. And not just for me, but as an example for my kids, because I see their cravings for for junk food, just pure junk and, and dead gum with the grocery store being burned down. It's hard to have apples on hand. So <laughs> yes, you can buy bananas at Love's <laughs> two okay. for a dollar. We'll go to gas station. <laughs> Pick up our beer and our bananas. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Last and final question. Do you have one good money habit that you have changed or, or had, you know, for a while that you've kept and has been very helpful to you? I'm trying to think here, what would be something that would be beneficial? I, I'm not going to uh, profess to be like a money management expert. One thing that I, one thing that I have done, and this doesn't work for everybody, is my check goes into an account. Uh, my, my paycheck goes into account, an account that pays all of our bills. And my husband and I basically live off groceries and gas and those kind of things off of his paycheck. And by keeping those separate and saying that one account is strictly for bills, that allows me. um, And I also set aside an X amount every month for the insurances that are due twice a year or once a year. And then an X amount as what, you know, what I consider for savings. Mm -hmm. Having that separate from our other account that we use all the time allows it to kind of exist as if it doesn't exist. It's forgotten about. And, and I believe that if I just simply had a savings account that was with our personal, we would be much more likely to uh, not be as disciplined with it. And so that's 
that's about the only thing that I've done that's really made a difference in the past couple of years for us. It's separating. We're not really, I don't want to say he has an account and I have an account is not what it is, but just putting our bills in a separate account. So that has helped mm-hmm. us. That's so funny. That's exactly what we try to do. We have one account that's bill paying, checking, and one that we basically live off of. And then we have, well, since I'm a crazy person, we have multiple savings accounts that are identified for different reasons. But I actually really like, I love the idea of having a bill paying, checking, and a checking that you can live off, especially in the day of debit cards. I mean, if you're logging into your account, if you're, if you're a person that's not balancing your checkbook or writing down what you spend, with technology the way it is, if you have one account that you're simply living off of and there's not mm-hmm. bills coming out of, you know, you don't have to do that mental math. When people have to do mental well, math, I, that's when you I get in trouble. Thought about like, that. I didn't really, I mean, to cut you off, I didn't really think about it like that necessarily. I don't, I don't really know. I think I wanted to put it over there actually, because if this was an account that was for teachers and if you didn't spend, if you had X amount of dollars in it, then you got, it's kind of like a, it's just, it's a credit union. So there were benefits to it. And I knew I'd be planning on buying a vehicle and they had low interest loans as an incentive. But, um, it makes me really excited or happy or I don't know, proud of myself if I'm patting myself on the back because people are like, Oh, we get paid, you know, at work was teachers. You only get paid once a month. And they're like, we get paid tomorrow. And I never get excited about payday because I mean, I don't get excited and I don't dread it or whatever because all of my bills come out. That's not a, an account that affects me necessarily. And that's reassuring that all of it is is itemized and I know what it'll be month to month. And so that gives me peace of mind, I mm-hmm. guess is what I'm trying to say. So, yeah. Yeah. I like it too. I mean, it's just, it's the same for us. And I think, uh, you know, money's, you're not supposed to be emotional and you mentioned that you know we get excited I think when you get excited <laughs> I can talk myself into buying something or out of buying something normally based on my emotions so a lot of if if you have that discipline of it being separated you're not spending your bill money true, very true so. <laughs> so all right well thank you for being on it was a pleasure thank you for having me and that will about wrap up this episode of the Stronger's podcast We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to tune in next time for more ways to strengthen our roots.